All right, everybody. Well, it's the most wonderful time of the year again. And no, I'm not necessarily talking about Christmas, although based on what we've seen in some of these bowl games throughout the years, you would think that a lot of them are like Christmas presents. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about bowl season in college football, and that is what I'm going to be spending the top part of the show talking about today. I'm sort of going to be running through the bowl schedule and giving some little interesting tidbits about some of these matchups, not all of them, uh, because really, honestly, who has that kind of time, but there are some interesting things about some of these games that I would like to point out, and so I'll be doing that at the top of the show, and at the very end of the show, I'm going to be sort of catching you guys up on some news relating to two of the notable head coaching hires that have transpired recently in the world of college football. And so, without any further ado, let's get to these bowl games. And starting on December the 16th in the Bahamas Bowl, it will feature the University of Miami, Ohio, playing against UAB. And I assume that UAB's incoming head coach, Trent Delfer, will be in attendance for that game. I'm still trying to get used to saying the words UAB head coach Trent Delfer. I imagine it's probably going to take a little bit of time for me to get used to doing that a lot like it did when he was Lipscomb Academy head coach Trent Delfer. And Trent, who's of course the Super Bowl champion, quarterback from the Baltimore Ravens back in the day. Of course, a lot of you out there may remember him from his days as an analyst for ESPN, but he has sort of had a, I would say, very interesting start to his coaching career, and of course, it'll have to be until next year when we see Trent on the sidelines in Birmingham, but that is should be a very interesting matchup for the Bahamas Bowl. And you also have the Cure Bowl uh, later in the day on December 16th. That is between Troy and the University of Texas at San Antonio. Uh, December the 17th, we have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bowl games 
on December the 17th, and some of them, of course, some of them include some pretty fairly big-time programs, uh, the University of Florida being one of them, and I guess I'm going to dive right into that game. Uh, they will be taking on 14th-ranked Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl, and I feel like this would probably be a more interesting and better matchup if Anthony Richardson were playing for Florida. He has, of course, decided to opt out of the Las Vegas Bowl in order to begin preparations for the 2023 NFL Draft. And really quick, sidebar, uh, a lot of, of course, the bowl games, to some extent, have been sort of diluted over the years because of the trend of players sort of opting out of the bowl games uh, just to prevent any type of injury situations or just to begin preparations for the draft. If, you're, if you have declared and feel that is in your best financial interest to do so, Anthony Richardson is, of course, one of those guys. And it's unfortunate that that is going to be the case because I feel like the impact he would have had on Florida's team would have made this, as I said, a much better matchup. But... Having said that, it is a game that includes two of the more well-known brands in college football, especially Oregon State with the way they came on strong at the end of this regular season, especially their win over Oregon. In the season finale. So, I do think the Las Vegas Bowl is going to be very interesting. Uh, then you've got the Fenway Bowl, which will, of course, be played at Fenway Park up in Boston. Uh, it will be played between, I apologize for my terrible. Boston accent, by the way, but it will be played between Cincinnati and Louisville, uh, in the, and then you have the Celebration Bowl between North Carolina Central and Jackson State, and Coach Prime, Coach Prime, in his Jackson State finale, 
and believe me, I, I will very much be getting into Coach Prime at the very end of the show. But should be a very competitive atmosphere in the Celebration Bowl as Coach Prime rides off into the sunset, at least as far as his Jackson State coaching career is concerned. And then the Jimmy Kimmel Los Angeles Bowl will feature Washington State and Fresno State. The Lending Tree Bowl will feature Rice and Southern Miss. Uh, the New Mexico Bowl will feature SMU and BYU. And then you have the Fresco Bowl rounding out the slate of games on the 17th that will be played between Boise State and North Texas. Uh, there's only one game that will be played on December the 19th, which is the Myrtle Beach Bowl, which will feature Marshall taking on UConn, and UConn's been a really big sort of comeback story, lack of a better phrase, uh, for this season, because mainly because of the job that Jim Mora has done in his very short time at UConn, bringing them back to relevance, and that is a trend he will obviously look to continue in the years ahead. Uh, then on December the 20th, in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, it will be played between Eastern Michigan and San Jose State. And the Boca Raton Bowl will feature Liberty and Toledo. Uh, December the 21st, uh, there's also going to be only one bowl game, and that will be the New Orleans Bowl between South Alabama and Western Kentucky. And then on the 22nd, we have the Armed Forces Bowl between Baylor and the Air Force Academy. December the 23rd, we have the Gasparilla Bowl, and that will be played between Wake Forest and Missouri. And we also have the Independence Bowl on the 23rd between Houston and Louisiana Lafayette. Should be two highly competitive bowl games coming up, coming up on the 23rd. And then on the 24th, we have one that is 
very near and dear to my heart, I guess I should say, because it does feature my alma mater, Middle Tennessee State. Uh, they will be going to Hawaii and playing in the Hawaii Bowl against San Diego State. And, of course, that one should be a pretty exciting one as well. It seems, I feel like one of the things that I can bet on, or at least have been able to bet on over the course of the last few years, really going back to my time in college, is not that MTSU would make it to a a bowl game, normally they, they always have, but it was always, to me, it was just always a toss-up between going to the, to the Hawaii Bowl or the Bahamas Bowl. I feel like those are two, those are nor, would normally be the two games MTSU would find themselves playing in, and so to me it's always just been kind of funny how it seems to work out that way. They are, of course, going to Hawaii, as I said, uh, to take on San Diego State. Should be a very competitive ball game on Christmas Eve, and then on December the 26th, we have the Quick Lane Bowl, which will be played between Bowling Green and New Mexico State. Now, the 27th will feature four bowl games, and the first one of those will be the First Responder Bowl, which will be between... Memphis and Utah State. Uh, the Birmingham Bowl will feature two teams from the Carolina area in Coastal Carolina and East Carolina. It's kind of weird that Coastal Carolina doesn't find themselves in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. which would essentially be a de facto home game for them because it would be play it will be played in coastal Carolina's home stadium. I guess the bowl committee just did not want to look into that idea for whatever reason. But anyway, that is the Birmingham Bowl. The Camellia Bowl will feature Buffalo taking on Georgia Southern. And in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl features two teams that have had really disappointing seasons in my mind. Uh, one of those being Wisconsin, who really had a 
disappointing season right from the jump, frankly. And Oklahoma State, who was a very good team at times during the regular season, but at the end, the wheels just sort of fell off and they, the Cowboys, or the Pokes as they called them, found themselves struggling. And, of course, they find themselves in the guaranteed rate bowl after sort of missing out on their Big 12 championship type hopes that they probably had at the beginning of the season. Another interesting note for Wisconsin, I assume that, and of course this will be after Cincinnati plays in their bowl game on the 17th, but I would assume that Wisconsin's new incoming head coach, Luke Fickle, may very well be in attendance. The reason why I bring up Cincinnati is because Luke Fickle is, of course, right now the head football coach at Cincinnati. He will, of course, he has, of course, accepted the head coaching job at Wisconsin. And so, it's really not that surprising of a move, I would think. Uh, I can, you could tell that Luke Fickle has obviously wanted a much bigger job for some time now. And although Cincinnati is moving into the Big 12 here pretty soon, I do think that Coach Fickle is very much a Big Ten guy. And he, of course, was a star at Ohio State back in the day. And he's I've... I just have this sense that he's been longing to get back into the Big Ten, whether it be at Ohio State, where he was the interim head coach a few years ago, or at some other school. And so he is, of course, on his way to doing that at Wisconsin. And I assume he will be in attendance for the guaranteed rate bowl. Uh, December the 28th will feature four bowl games. Uh, the military bowl will be played between Duke and Central Florida, who was in a struggle with Tulane last week in the American Conference Championship game with a berth 
in a New Year's Six Bowl game, possibly on the line. Uh, that birth, of course, obviously ended up going to Tulane. I will get to them and their bowl game uh, here in a little bit, but should be a very interesting military bowl between Duke and UCF. Uh, the Liberty Bowl in Memphis will feature Kansas and Arkansas. Uh, the Holiday Bowl should be a very good one between 15th ranked Oregon and North Carolina. And the Texas Bowl rounds out the slate of games on the 28th between Texas Tech and the Lane Train, which will actually be staying in Oxford and will not be rolling into oh, the beautiful city that is Auburn, Alabama anytime soon. As Lane Kiffin has decided to obviously stay at Ole Miss despite seemingly everyone and their mother repeatedly saying that he would not be staying at Ole Miss. Lane has obviously proven everybody wrong in that regard. And so the Texas Bowl should be a very interesting one. Uh, December the 29th, there will be three bowl games. Two of them, I think, will be very close, very competitive, very interesting. Uh, this, the, this first one I'm about to mention is not one of those games because it is, although the venue is very interesting, uh, it is the Pinstripe Bowl, which will, of course, be played at Yankee Stadium. And it will be between Minnesota and Syracuse. And the two interesting, bowl, more interesting bowl games, in my mind, uh, will be the Cheez-It Bowl between Florida State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma, obviously their season did not go the way they would have liked it to go, but I suppose six and six, a six and six regular season and the bowl berth is probably the best you can hope for when you have a new first year, first time head coach and two of your quarterbacks are from last season are no longer with the program. And so Oklahoma obviously went through the growing pains this year and I think that 
even for them to find themselves where they are, it's pretty remarkable in the first place. And Florida State really, I guess, had a pretty strong season in terms of where they view themselves as a program. Obviously, the win over LSU in week one sort of helped propel them to where they are. And I would say that going forward, there's very high expectations for Mike Norvell and company uh, as we move into 2023. And then the Alamo Bowl is probably going to be the best one of the of this bunch of three games. Uh, it will be between Washington and Texas. And so there's going to be a lot of motivation for both of those teams to come out with a win here, especially the two starting quarterbacks, which I think will really help this ball game really be competitive. Uh, when you look at Michael Penix for Washington and also Quinn Ewers for the Texas Longhorns. So that is pretty much it for the Alamo Bowl. And Tennessee fans, we've we've finally made it. We have finally made it. We are at the December 30th slate of bowl games. And yes, that means I'm finally going to preview the Orange Bowl. I may do this a little bit more in detail as we get, as a matter of fact, I will most definitely be previewing this game a little bit more in detail as we get closer to it. But it is probably not actually scratch that, not probably, it is the, the most orange, orange bowl that has ever been played in the history of college football. And the reason I say that, of course, is that it will feature Tennessee and Clemson. And I would definitely, I will, although I am going to hold off on the greater in-depth preview until we get closer to the game, as I mentioned, but I will say that I would definitely be more excited for this game if Hendon Hooker we're going to be playing in it. Uh, obviously, the ACL injury sort of ended Hendon Hooker's 
chances of playing in this game. And so that just means that Joe Melton is going to have to step in and get a head start on the 2023 season because I assume that Joe Melton will end up being the starter as we head into 2023. And so this is a pretty good audition for him in this orange bowl. And then, of, and then of course, staying with Tennessee's offense, we have the Belitnikoff Award winner, which, of course, is the award that goes to the greatest receiver in college football for a given season, in Jalen Hyatt. And so... I have not seen whether or not Jalen Hyatt will be playing in this game or not. Uh, he, he could, of course, opt out as, then again, then again, scratch that. It's the Orange Bowl. I don't really see him opting out. I don't really, because obviously the Orange Bowl is, one of those bowl games that you do not you would have to be outside of your mind to opt out of a game like the Orange Bowl. So that is pretty much it for Tennessee's little mini preview as it were. Uh, the one thing that objectively sort of scares me about this game is the emergence of Cade Klubnik, the quarterback from the new starting quarterback at Clemson. And reason I say he is the new starting quarterback at Clemson is because D. DJ Ui Agalale, or Ukulele, depending on how you want to pronounce the name, has decided to enter the transfer portal along with what seems like 700 other players in college football all across the other various teams. But Kate Klubnik has looked very strong from what I can tell. And I think the offenses of both of these, t these teams are going to provide for a very interesting matchup. So that is pretty much it for the Orange Bowl. Uh, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. And I'm going to run through the rest of these games very quickly before I get to the uh, what I want to talk about at the tail end of the show here. Uh, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. 
will feature NC State taking on Maryland. And then you have the Sun Bowl taking up, which will feature uh, Chip Kelly and UCLA taking on Pittsburgh. Uh, the Gator Bowl, I think, is going to be very interesting. That will feature uh, South Carolina and Notre Dame. And the reason I, I'm sort of saying that through clenched teeth is because of my hatred, lack of a better excuse me, lack of a better word for Notre Dame because they have struggled I don't want to say all year because obviously they've sort of picked it up at the end of the year. They obviously do have the big win over Clemson on their resume, and they, of course, find themselves ranked in the top 25 heading into bowl season, and you have to give a lot of credit to Marcus Freeman and the job that he has done in his first year leading the Fighting Irish. And the reason why, of course, as I've mentioned on this show before, that I have a hatred for Notre Dame is not because of Marcus Freeman. It is because of the bias that surrounds Notre Dame. Because, of course, there was a point this year when they were not ranked they now find themselves ranked in the top 25. And going into the preseason poll of next season, I would assume that they will find themselves ranked in, in the top 10 somehow. That seems to always be the case with the fighting Irish. Anyway, having said all of that, uh, the way South Carolina ended their season with the, especially the last game of the year, the win over Clemson on the road and the win that they had the week before that, I'm not going to get into that game for obvious reasons, but... South Carolina did have a very strong end of their 2022 campaign. And you just have to give Shane Beamer, Beamer Ball, a lot of credit in that regard. Um, the Arizona Bowl rounds out the slate of games on December the 30th, between, and it will be played between Ohio University and Wyoming. 
Uh, then on New Year's Eve, I'm going to really not say much about the playoff semifinal games because I will, believe me, I will be getting into them in much greater detail in the coming weeks leading up to the semifinal games for the CFP. But I do want to mention them very briefly, I suppose. The Fiesta Bowl will feature number two, Michigan, taking on number three, TCU. And in the Peach Bowl, you have the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs playing in a de facto home game against the fourth-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. And then the Music City Bowl will be on New Year's Eve as well between Iowa and Kentucky. And then the Sugar Bowl is one that I think will be very interesting. And it will, of course, be played between number five, Alabama, and number nine, Kansas State. I do think one of the interesting things to look out for in that game will be Alabama's defense taking on Deuce Vaughn and the offense at K-State. Should be a very intriguing matchup to say the least. And we finally made it to the final four bowl games before at least that will be played prior to the college football playoff national championship game on January the 9th. And they will, of course, be on January the 2nd in the Relia Quest Bowl. We have the Pirate, Mike Leach, and Mississippi State taking on Illinois. Uh, in the Citrus Bowl, we have LSU and Purdue. Should be a very intriguing one as well. And then we, of course, have after that the two other, two of the other big games, I should say, in terms of the New Year Six conversation. Uh, the Cotton Bowl between USC and Tulane. And then we, of course, have the Rose Bowl game that will be played between the Pac-12 champion Utah Utes and Penn State. And so that is... Finally, it for the 2022 bowl schedule. I appreciate you guys bearing with me as I proceeded to run down the list. I know it was 
pretty lengthy, and believe me, believe me, I will be getting to some of these bowl games in much greater detail in future episodes of the show. The Orange Bowl in particular, for all of you Tennessee Volunteers fans out there. Uh, very, very end of the show, I guess I can get to the big time coaching hires that have happened recently in college football. And I know that there have been some other moves, and I sort of alluded to those as I was talking about the particular bowl games that feature coaches that will, of course, be coming in. But I wanted to sort of single out these two guys because there's been a lot of hype surrounding them in one way or another. Really, the, the one of the jobs I'm about to talk about has been in conversation uh, much more so than the individual who will be filling that job. And of course, the second job I'm going to talk about has infinitely more so to do with the individual than the particular job. But... I guess I'm going to dive right into the first one of those jobs, individuals, as it relates to coaching changes, and that is, of course, Hugh Freeze taking the job at Auburn. This is coming after weeks and weeks of people saying, that, as I mentioned earlier, everybody and their mother was saying that Lane Kiffin was going to take the head coaching job at Auburn. That is, of course, not the case. And, of course, the second name that popped up in terms of the Auburn job, and at least in terms of outside candidates was Hugh Freeze. And I really don't think this is a surprise. I mean, Hugh Freeze was very open and honest with the people at Liberty, especially his, his players in particular, that if another job were to come open, that is something that he would very much consider. And obviously things transpired the way they did. And Hugh Freeze, of course, has a lot of SEC experience, as a lot of you out there will know. He was, of course, at Ole Miss from 2012 to 2016. And then, of course, the wheels sort of fell off after 
all of the scandals and whatnot occurred at Ole Miss, which sort of led to Hugh Freeze's downfall. And he's, of course, I think, rebuilt himself and his brand since he's been at Liberty. And really, he's built a pretty competitive program over there. And he has, of course, gotten Liberty back on the map, so to speak, in terms of college football. And he has, as I mentioned, turned himself back around and has sort of rebuilt his image in terms of SEC circles. And one of the things that I do think is going to help Hugh Freeze out is that he has decided to keep Cadillac Williams on the staff. Of course, Cadillac Williams took over as interim coach following Brian Harson's dismissal and really did a very nice job and you could make the argument that Auburn should have looked into hiring Cat into just promoting Cadillac. And so they obviously decided to go in a different direction in that regard, but I do believe that Hugh Freeze made a very good decision in keeping Cadillac Williams on his staff because this is a guy who obviously relates very strongly to guys that have been in Auburn's locker room in particular and his message obviously is going to continue to resonate throughout that locker room and he obviously brings a lot of energy to Auburn's football program and that they would hope that that energy continues for years to come. And speaking of energy, speaking of energy, Coach Prime has taken the opportunity on to become the next head football coach at the University of Colorado. And, of course, this had been rumored for weeks just from everybody in the media speculating about where Co about if Coach Prime would end up taking this job, and I say Coach Coach Prime really needs no, really should need no further introduction. But for those of you who 
are listening to the show who may not be familiar with who Coach Prime is. Coach Prime is obviously Deion Sanders, the longtime star defensive back in the NFL and sort of firebrand when it comes to college football coaches because of how much energy he brings to the table. Matter of fact, he has so much energy that whenever someone brings up the name Coach Prime, the other person immediately knows who is being talked about. But he is going to Colorado, and the reason why I'm a, I was a little surprised by this is not that he decided to take a bigger job, but that it would be at Colorado. They are, of course, a very garbage football program in every sense of the word, to say the absolute least. But the one thing Coach Prime does is change programs and the trajectory of programs on a dime, seemingly. And that is obviously something that he did at Jackson State. And the man can obviously recruit. I'm, of course, I mentioned the ability to relate to players. The man can obviously recruit. I mean, he got all of these five-star players to commit to an FCS program. Nothing against Jackson State, obviously, but the level of competition that FCS programs find themselves in is obviously nowhere near the level of competition that Coach Prime finds himself walking into at Colorado. And so he is obviously, his impact is obviously being felt already because already two at least notable players have decided to join him at Colorado from Jackson State. Those, of course, being Travis Hunter, the five-star prospect from a season ago who flipped his commitment to Jackson State on National Signing Day, I believe it was. And, of course, you have uh, Coach Prime's son, Shadour, who he has already introduced as the next quarterback, basically. He, be he literally said at the press conference, he, lo he looked at Shador and pointed at him and said, and I quote, 
this is your quarterback. Although he did say, although to be fair, he did say that he would have to iron it. He also said, and this is a very interesting thing too, he also, and this speaks to the impact he wants to make at Colorado as it relates to Coach Prime. He told his players that he was inheriting that he's basically going to be bringing in his own guys and basically if the people and the pl the players that are already there do not want to buy in and are ready to compete, then they should just go ahead and hop in the transfer portal. That speaks to really Dion's Coach Prime's level of competitiveness, and that's of course the level same level of competitiveness competitiveness that he had obviously in his playing career and something that he has obviously continued in his coaching career. Uh, I do think the road at Colorado is going to be a little bit difficult, more difficult for Coach Prime because of the level of competition because at least for this season, this coming season, he's going to have to play USC. He's going to have to play UCLA. He's going to have to play Oregon and other teams of that nature. And so I do think that at least in the early stages, and what I'm about to say may be a little punny, so to speak, because it is Colorado that we're talking about here, but I think there may be, may be some tough sledding going on for Coach Prime, at least in the early going, but... Having said that, if he can get his guys to buy in, the guys that he is bringing, and some of the holdovers that would not have decided to hop in the portal, if he can get them to buy in, obviously he has gotten the university and the fan base to buy in at this point. And if those things can come together in short order, because you can tell Deion, Deion Sand, you can tell Coach Prime is not necessarily that patient in terms of losing frankly, then if all of those things can come together, I think Colorado is going to be a very competitive team 
at least at the end of this coming season. And, of course, we will have to see how things transpire as we move down the road. But having said all of that, that pretty much concludes uh, this very long segment of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast having to do with college football. I want to thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you soon.